Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Attorney, advocate, author, public speaker, The Lisa Wexler Show, WICC 600 AM and 1073 FM. Flip that switch and turn on your brain. Here is Lisa Wexler. And welcome back to The Lisa Wexler Show. All right, there's a lot of other news in the news today, and... I almost don't know where to begin, but I'll just open up my mouth and see what comes out. 203-333-9422. If you've been paying attention to what's going on with immigration, uh, President Biden has, um, along with about eight senators, uh, he's going down to the border. Well, he went down to the border, and now eight senators are going down to the border. And um, Kristen Sinema, who's an independent, is going along with John Cornyn. Kristen Sinema of Arizona, John Cornyn of, of Texas, are gathering another six senators to go down to the border and take a first-hand look at what a mess it is. And Chris Murphy is among those. And um, one of the stories, and this has been reported by Fox News, a bipartisan group of eight senators to visit the border after Biden's first visit to tackle, quote, Washington's failure. And that's true. I mean, it's obvious that Washington has failed, and they failed us. And President Biden knows that it needs to be a much more important priority of his administration because it's out of control. So there were more than 1.7 million migrant, quote, encounters in 2021 and 2.3 million in 2022. So far, the first two months, not two months, first two weeks of 2023 have outpaced the first two months of the prior fiscal year. And there is also a lot of attention that's paid to this. We don't know who these people are. We don't know what their, you know, agendas are. We don't know what kind of histories they may have. Look, the fact of the matter is that immigration in this country is supposed to work by having an inspection. It is. Everybody knows it. It's not that we don't feel sorry for people that are here undocumented and are trying to make a better life. We all feel sorry for them. And frankly, America is a very welcoming, wonderful place to the vast majority of people who end up here. But we all know, rationally, that every single country in the world has a right to decide who comes across its borders. 
And historically, the vast majority of immigrants to this country have not gotten in by going on a coyote with a coyote in a terribly dangerous, unventilated truck or van of some kind and gotten across the border by swimming or hiking their way through terribly dangerous situations. They've come to this country by presenting themselves. It used to be at Ellis Island because they had to take a boat and come across in steerage and horrible other conditions. And they were turned away. And for some people, when they were turned away, it was the great disaster of their life because many of them died in concentration camps a generation later. But they were turned away if they didn't meet your basic health and safety requirements that this country decided they wanted to screen out people because they didn't want some people to come in bringing disease or people to come in that would, you know, start a mob. In other words, they all end up here anyway. I'm just letting you know. But the fact of the matter is that every country has a right to decide who gets to immigrate here. And we all know this. And we all know that the policy that has affected Arizona and Texas disproportionately from the rest of the country, and California too, by the way, um, has really been unfair. And there's a sense that it spiraled completely out of control. Uh, In fact, uh, President Biden had something to say about it. Do we have that clip? Let's play it. Today, my administration is taking several steps to stiffen enforcement for those who try to come without a legal right to stay and to put in place a faster process, I emphasize a faster process, to decide a claim of asylum. Someone says, I'm coming because I'm escaping oppression. Well, there's got to be a way to determine that much quicker for people who are credibly seeking protection from persecution. First, if they're seeking asylum, they can use an app on their cell phone called CBP1, O-N-E. That's to spell it out, not the number one to schedule an appointment at a port of entry and make their asylum claim there without crossing the border unlawfully and have a decision determined by an asylum officer, do they qualify? Second, in October, we work with the Mexican government to launch a new parole program. There's another program called, you all know it, but the public may not, called the parole program that immediately showed results by reducing the number of people crossing the border unlawfully. The way this parole program works, one must have a lawful sponsor here in the United States who agrees to sponsor you to get here. Then that person has to go undergo rigorous background checks and apply from outside the United States and not cross the border illegally in the meantime. If they apply and their application is approved, they can use the same app to present at a port of entry and be able to work in the United States legally for two years. That's the process. But if their application is denied, or if they attempt to cross into the United States unlawfully, they'll be returned back to Mexico and will not be eligible for this program after that. Okay, so Joe Biden facing the tremendous criticism his administration has gotten on this issue, facing the reality that we have too many people that are trying to jump across the border and have been successful at doing so saying we're not going to allow it anymore. And in some ways, this is is in keeping with his predecessor, Donald Trump, who very much tried to shut down illegal border crossings, who built a wall. He he didn't finish the wall, um, but he built part of a wall. And uh, people found a way around the wall, obviously. I mean, for whatever it was that President Trump thought he did, it clearly didn't work. 
because look at all the people that are coming in. And there may have been a perception, however, that when he was president that there would be more adverse consequences. And so the amount of people trying to get in decreased versus the amount of people that are trying and successfully coming in under the Biden administration, the perception being with the Democratic president, they'll have an easier time. So President Biden saying, nope, not so fast, not an easier time. And Chris Murphy among the handful of senators who went with President Biden to the border. 203-333-9422. Listen, before we get to any other news about Connecticut, and we will, did you happen to see over the story, I mean, this was just over the weekend, the story of a Virginia teacher that was shot by a six-year-old. Did you see the story? A six-year-old first grader at an elementary school in Newport News, Virginia, shot a teacher on Friday afternoon during an altercation in the classroom. 30-year-old Abigail Zwerner, life-threatening injuries. First grade teacher at Rich Neck Elementary School, rushed to Riverside Regional Medical Center. And there's a picture of this adorable first grade teacher who has different color hair and bright blue eyes. She was shot in the abdomen by a six-year-old who had brought a gun to a school and was remaining in critical condition over the weekend. Finally, the police sharing that eventually she was held to be in, quote, stable condition. What is going on? And by the way, not the first shooting in Newport News public school system. Remind me never to go there. Before Friday's incident, there were shootings at two other schools in the past 17 months. A 16-year-old injured two 17-year-olds by firing a gun in a hallway inside Heritage High High School. And in December of 2021, 18-year-old Damari Batten fatally shot 17-year-old Justice Dunham in the parking lot of Menchville High School after a football game. But when did you ever hear of a six-year-old who got angry with a teacher pulling a gun on her? What kind of world are we living in? I mean, seriously. 203-333-9422. And don't you think that there are other beautiful, idealistic young people looking at this and saying, you know what, teacher, I'll pass. I'll pass. I got to worry about first graders now pulling a gun on me? Where are the parents? How does a six-year-old get access to a gun? How does a six-year-old get access to a loaded gun? How does a six-year-old form intent to shoot? Well, obviously, a six-year-old cannot be held capable of understanding the consequences of what the six-year-old did. Don't even start with me. Don't even start with the punishment aspect of this. This is a failure and a tragedy on every single level. On every single level. Six-year-olds, a six-year-old got angry, had a tantrum, didn't like what his teacher said, pulled a gun on her and shot her. How many more exposures to real-time and fake violence do we have to have our children be exposed to? What kind of society are we living in? I need to to see whether or not DCF in Newport News, Virginia, was involved with this family, don't you? That would be one of my first questions. What kind of a home did this child come from? And by the way, the parents have liability here. There's no question in my mind that they have uh, a kind of a gross negligence, at the very least, 
We'll have to see what the prosecutor wants to do with this story. 203-333-9422. We'll be right back. Here's what Connecticut is saying about Lisa Wexler. Your show is great, and it's such a, a light in the world. Now, back to the Lisa Wexler Show on Southern Connecticut's news and information leader, WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. All right, let's go to some local news. We're going to hear from Ian Warburg at 1130, and he is part of a group of people in Westport that want the RTM to overturn the decision by the PNZ to allow this plus four-acre-plus area of the Saugatuck area right near the train station to be rezoned to allow much more dense development. And um, in any event, we're going to hear from Ian Warburg about that. I have some questions that have already gotten queued up from people in the area. If you want to be part of that conversation. Give us a call at 203-333-9422, or you can call me right now and tell, tell me what's on your mind. I did want to inform you that the Office of the Tree Warden of the Town of Weston is holding a public hearing on January 11th, 2023, two days from now on Wednesday at 4 p.m. via Zoom, regarding a posting of tree removals on the Town of Weston Moore property at Lord's Highway. Estimated 125 trees to be removed, there was a petition that has been signed by a bunch of people in Weston to specifically save 38 of those trees. Um, so there have been written objections to taking down all these trees. If you're interested about this, you can find out the details of this um, by going on the Town of Weston website. Uh, uh, Dr. Tom Fela is the Weston Tree Warden. And in any event, there'll be a public hearing, and a lot of people are going to be hearing about taking down these trees. Uh, the tree warden is required to conduct a public hearing if the tree warden receives any objections in writing within 10 days of the posting, and the written objections were received, and therefore a virtual public hearing will take place at this Zoom on Wednesday. Now, I'm also told that in addition to this uh, particular petition to have the tree warden not take down the trees, and this is in connection, I understand, with a proposed dog park in Weston, that there is also uh, simultaneously going on with that an appeal in front of the uh, Connecticut Human Rights uh, Commission, and that has to do with uh, somebody that appealed on the ground that the proposed dog park will be inaccessible for the disabled, for the people with disabilities. And this particular woman says that she would be affected adversely because the way that this dog park is proposed is something that she would not be able to utilize with full enjoyment. Um, so that process is also taking place. And according to the way we do things in Connecticut, and I know this because I took the mediation course at Quinnipiac Law School a while back, the Connecticut Human Rights Organization has a mediation piece as part of, the, as part of what happens so in any event, I don't know what's going to happen with this dog park. I don't know what's going to happen with the trees, but I do know that there are a bunch of people in Weston who are alarmed that so many trees need to come down. So if you're interested in somehow seeing what's happening with this in Weston, uh, that is going on on Wednesday at 4 o'clock via Zoom, and you'll go onto the Weston Town website to find out more details. In other news stories here, um, you might have noticed the – the sort of weird, not expected fact that a gun industry trade association was based in Newtown, Connecticut. 
and it's called the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Uh, an awful lot of activists ever since what happened 10 years ago in Newtown have found it difficult to swallow that this organization had settled for many, many years right in their hometown. And according to Poe Murray, the chairwoman of the Newtown Action Alliance, she says the National Shooting Sports Foundation, quote, their priority is making money for the gun industry. They are no different from the NRA. Um, and so the story is that they are leaving Newtown. But they're not going far. They're going to Shelton. And while Paul Murray says good riddance, a spokesman for the National Shooting Sports Foundation confirmed Friday that the organization had sold its white clappered building at 11 Mile, Mile Hill Road after 29 years in Newtown and moved to rented office space 15 miles south in Shelton, calling it strictly a financial decision. So they're out of Newtown, but they are not too far away in Shelton. 203-333-9422. And uh, let me see. The NSSF showed that the Connecticut firearms industry lost more jobs in 2021 and saw its overall economic impact drop 4% compared to 2020, but the state continued to perform most other states. And when they say outperform, they're talking about the firearms industry is an industry in Connecticut, which is still rather robust compared to a lot of other states. Luckily for us, one of the worst droughts in history has recently been improving and has been mitigated because we've had a lot of rain. So the reports are that the reservoirs are returning to normal levels, which is a really, really good thing. And in more sort of nature local news, Darianne's purchase of the Great Island is still in limbo. Even though the town officially approved, their RTM officially approved the $103 million purchase of Great Island, a 60-acre property along Island Sound that, Long Island Sound that is truly a one-of-a-kind property, the town outbid four developers in order to have it. But the actual purchase remains on hold. And First Selectman Monica McNally said the purchase was a priority of hers, saying if we can, we should save it from substantial development and hold the land forever under town ownership. And she said the transaction was far from complete given the delays in due diligence. There are not too many details on what is causing the delay. Board of Finance Chair Jim Palin saying it was related to environmental and access aspects uncovered. But there are people that are criticizing it. Um, we'll see what happens. Bob Duff and Will Haskell and Patricia Billy Miller sent a letter to Darianne questioning why Darianne would want to pursue the property after it rejected bringing in 16 kindergarten students from Norwalk as part of the open choice programs. So they're basically um, connecting spending of money on land use with a decision by the town to not open its schools to a neighboring underperforming school district compared to Darianne. As recently as late November, Duff referenced Great Island in a tweet criticizing the Darianne Board of Selectmen's controversial flag policy, saying they oppose POWMIA and pride flags and 16 kindergarten, Norwood kindergartners, but they can afford to spend $103 million on an island. Anyway, we'll see what happens in Darien. 
In other land use conversations, the new owner of the former Trumbull Westfield Mall, Namdar Realty Group, apparently, according to Connecticut Insider, made a good first impression on public officials during their first meeting. First Selectman Vicky Chisoro said that the meeting went very well, and Namdar acquired the mall for $196 million in a deal that closed over the New Year's holiday weekend. But they don't apparently own the they don't own the Lord and Taylor spot, that part of the mall. Apparently, that's owned by uh, another company called Hudson's Bay Company, which is the Canadian retail giant. And between 60 and 70% of the parking garage will be replaced by the people who are currently running that with NAMDAR officials who will oversee the project. And honestly, we're not really sure what they're going to do there. We're not really sure what they feel like doing there. But they say that they're going to keep it retail. They say they're going to attract smaller businesses. They are going to be doing a study of this property. It's a 70-acre, very, very big parcel. When you think about the once-in-a-generation lifetime opportunity to rethink that piece of land, I mean, it, it just the mind explodes with possibilities, with maybe more green spaces, with maybe some outdoor spaces with, instead of repaving with asphalt, repaving with um, materials from the Smart Surfaces Coalition that will not create more heat in the atmosphere, that will last longer, that may have less impervious spaces. They already know how many people park there on an average day versus, let's say, a Saturday or Sunday. So what you could do is you could pave with impervious surfaces the amount of people that pave, that uh, park there on a typical day and you could have overflow parking be grass grass spaces with gravel so that, you know, the car comes, it goes on an overflow day, but the rest of the time the rainwater is going into the ground. There are so many different ways that you can rethink this parcel, including creating mixed-use development with perhaps some retail uh, and perhaps some um, apartments. So who knows? Two or even townhouses. 203-333-9422. 70 acres is a lot. You could almost create its own sort of village where people will want to come and shop and live within walking distance because one of the things that Connecticut needs to do a better job of is create more pedestrian-friendly spaces. Anyway, the conversation has begun. Well, let's get Vicki Tesoro on to talk about it. 203-333-9422. Ian Warburg on next, and he is very active in land use decisions in Westport, Connecticut, and he and a group of other concerned citizens have decided that they would like to ask the RTM to overturn a very controversial decision that allowed a text amendment to rezone an entire area called the Saugatuck District in Westport, right near the train station. If you've ever been to the train station in Westport, you know exactly the area I'm talking about. If you ever ate at Mario's, if you ever ate at Tarantino, if you ever went, if you've ever taken a train from Westport at the Westport train station, if you've ever been to the Black Duck, this is the area I'm talking about. Stay tuned for details when we come back with Ian Warburg. We'll be right back. Where Stratford comes first for news and talk. The Lisa Wexler Show on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. Well, we're paying attention to what's happening in my own hometown, Westport. And joining us right now is Ian Warburg, who is part of a coalition that is shining a spotlight on a recent planning and zoning decision, a very controversial one, 
that is allowing a zoning text amendment of an entire area in response to an application by a particular developer who either owns or who has assembled the right to own a whole bunch of properties in the Saugatuck District. Ian Warburg, welcome to the Lisa Wexer Show today. Again, lovely to be with you. Lisa, good morning and lovely to be with you too. Thank you for having me on. So tell me, what are you doing? Well, what we're doing is we're, we're really trying to, to really build public awareness around this massive consequential change to the zoning regulations in this particular area of Saugatuck, which comprises uh, 4.82 acres. And as you know, it's right in the center of Saugatuck. It's known as Railroad Place, the land behind it, Morton's Parking Garage, Minuteman Cleaners, and then across Riverside Avenue to where Tooties is and the boatyard and the old post office. And so those 4.82 acres um, have been upzoned, uh, according to this text amendment, um, by a shocking 860%. Wow. Yeah, it's a massive up, upgrade from, from where they were. And to give an example, the Saugatuck Center, which the Galt's, the beautiful project. Yeah, it's very Galt's wonderful. A number of years Lovely. Ago, yeah, beautiful scale. Really nicely uh, scaled. Yeah. Beautiful scale, and I think a scale that most people point to when they think of the future of Saugatuck. Right. So, so this, this under this text amendment, um, we we could see as of right the developer, whoever owns the property, whether it's the guys who who are backing this this application, or others they may sell uh, their rights to, um, can build up to and perhaps more than four hundred and fifty one thousand square feet of new. Space, no way. In that tiny area? In that tiny area. So if you look at the, the 21 Charles Street, that um, very brutalist design yeah. building on the corner yeah. of Charles. And, the ugly and, one. Um, yeah. That's right, the ugly one. Think of, think of they've gotten the right now through this text amendment to build 11 or 12 buildings of greater size, slightly smaller height, but of larger no. size in terms of overall square footage. No. Yeah. So, so, so you know, tell me about your coalition, Ian Warburg. Who, who's on this, and, and why have you gotten together? Well, this was started by a gentleman named Rick Smila, lifelong Westport resident who lives um, in in the Stony Point neighborhood. Okay. Um, Rick, Rick, and Amy Leonard, um, uh, local architect Joe Valone. Um, Mike Joe Valone, I know him. He lives right behind me for thirty years. Right. Lovely. Literally guy. lives we, right not, behind us, me for thirty years. None okay. of us. None of us knew each other before this, but we were also kind of blown away by the magnitude of this change that, that we, we found one another and thought it really important to, to you know, engage the public in an understanding of this. Um, you know, one of the big problems we have with the, the loss of printed newspapers and, you know, is that most people in Westport have no idea so that true. this is that this has happened and that this change has happened and it happened, you know, relatively quickly i think the, yeah. the notice of the application went out in july i think you and i spoke at some point close to that time mm-hmm. and then within within a few short meetings you know of uh, a, a monumental and consequential decision um was made to change the regulations here you know it's really interesting because it, now this is just my own opinion and it really is a generalized opinion not about this application but i I think that the advent of Zoom meetings has been very potentially bad for the public in terms of, to some extent, speeding up. Or, In other words, you used to be able to all get in a room 
And you still can, but you need the public will to do it. And I know Danielle Dobin had at least one meeting in public, and I know that she did that in person. But a mm-hmm. lot of these things happening on Zoom are so co- tightly controlled, there's sort of no sense of the community when you're all on the screen. And I don't understand why more meetings are not hybrid. Like why? I mean, I've been at Kiwanis every single week since throughout COVID. We've been able to have people appear in person and on the screen almost since the beginning. I don't understand that. You know, I don't either. I mean, when you think about the number of people that are back to being in person normally, mm-hmm. and you think about the power of the technology, you know, all that we've learned in these past few mm-hmm. years, it would seem pretty easy to get people in person and to have people and. participating. Yes, and. and. And I think it might actually help to really increase community engagement. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so going terrific. back to this, I mean, the reason I say it is because You know, these Zoom meetings are scheduled week after week after week, and the people that are on these committees and commissions feel like they're doing their job, and then they just sort of, boom, boom, dun, 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 dun. And I'm seeing this all around the state in a lot of different applications. And I just feel the public, when you talk about newspapers and everything else, the public, they didn't have a chance to catch up. Like, they're not, I don't know. So let's go back to this particular, I have a a question from a caller in Westport who does not want to be identified by name, but, and we also have a caller on the air. So, I mean, so let's Anthony from Westport, hold on one more moment. Let me give you one question. E, and this is from a, a listener. Ready? If sure. it can be, if it can be proven that the zoning change would have a financial impact to the town, can it be brought to a townwide referendum? I don't know enough about uh, what the town charter provides for, Um, But what can happen here is that during the review, if the RTM, first it'll be in a special, the P&Z committee of the RTM, if they make a recommendation to the overall RTM that this decision be overturned, I think then any number of other things can happen. If they decide either to uphold the decision or not to vote at all, uh, the the text amendment will stand. Um, But I don't know how what the mechanism would be to uh, hold a townwide referendum who is appealing if anybody that well okay so you should talk to other people maybe people who know more than we do know how to get a, a referendum going what would and that would be a really interesting question for the town wouldn't it don't you think the town would want to weigh in on that i think the town would really want to weigh well, in. well i on think that. so and i think you know lisa the town has weighed in you know we conducted in 2017 as we're required by law to do a plan uh, of conservation and development every 10 years. And that plan, you know, we hire, the town hires professional consultants, engages in community outreach through, through town meetings and through surveys where the community is brought together with the assistance of, of paid professionals to really look at the, the entire town and each part of the town in the context overall. And then they make recommendations and they create a plan for, as it says, conservation and development. Similarly, in 2018, we found, uh, we took state money, a half million dollars, uh, to do something called the Transit-Oriented Development Master Plan, or it was a study that resulted in a master plan. And there were 23 or 24 of us uh, who served on that committee um, at the invitation of, of the, the former uh, uh, first selectman, Jim Marpy. We had representatives from each of the town departments, so engineering, police, fire, all were represented there. Uh, the, the meeting was chaired, or the committee was chaired by Mary Young, our, our planning and z- uh, zoning um, director. And that meeting, or that, that report, 
provided a roadmap for the future of Westport with community input. We had mm. 1,500 participants wow. weighing in on what they wanted to see for the future of West for Saugatuck in particular. And what did they say? The zoning. Well, what they, they said they, they, they wanted um, the scale to be maintained. They looked really to to the golf development and said, yeah, extend that. They wanted to stimulate mixed-use development throughout mm-hmm. Saugatuck, sure. and recommendations were made to to do something you know that, that kind of was in keeping with the scale. The scale. Scale experience. is key. There's a lot of sunlight down there, and you notice it when you go to the Saugatuck uh, Festival you know, every year, sure. which has been going on for 10 years. And one of the things I always notice, because it's always in September, is how bright and sunshiny it is down there, despite the fact that it's so pedestrian-friendly. A lot of pedestrian-friendly spaces have very high buildings, and they're not, they're not, there's not as much bright sunlight. And I always notice that in September. Yes, it's so true. I mean, you, you know, if you stand on the other side of the building at 21 Charles Street, if you stand on the... Uh, 136 it's incredible i mean it it that side of the street over the terry lodge is in shadow most of the day because the there's day. so much sun coming from the That's south right. and these giant buildings just you know rob the ground of it they really do all right let's go to anthony from westport you've been holding you're on the air with ian warburg also of westport hi i think i want to throw in my great-grandparents Grandparents and parents were married in Westport and lived all their lives there. I moved around a bit. I'm back. But, Ian, I want to thank you for all you have done. I, I met you, Ian. You know, you wrote me a wonderful note when Peter died. But um, aside from that, I want to thank you so much for saving the deli. I love the remarkable book cycle that you and your wife have done. I know when meetings were going on, I never went to one when I didn't see you there. And you are just Wonderful. I don't know how to thank you for all you're doing, and I'm totally in agreement with you about this horrendous proposal. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much. Really appreciate your kind words. So what would you advise Anthony to do to translate that? Should he be speaking to his RTM representative, Ian? Absolutely. I mean, Anthony, I think you and anyone who's concerned should be reaching out to the entire RTM to voice your concerns. You can do that. Uh, via email. There's a blast email address that you can use to reach them. Also to your RTM members, to the first selectman uh, for a woman and, and, and the second as well, I, I think, and participate in the, in the hearings. The, the first hearing is tonight at 6.30 p.m. via a Zoom link. Um, and there'll be a second one on Thursday. And then I think a conclusion on, on I believe, uh, January 17th. I can't believe they don't have one scheduled in person. I've been very I upset know, about that. When there were meetings in per- I was so involved when I moved back here with the meetings. Yeah, before meetings COVID. in person, and everybody meets in the auditorium, and everybody kibitzes, yeah. and they talk about I, things. I miss that, and I think it's, as you said, Lisa, I think it's hurting. It definitely uh, hurts, and yeah. I don't understand, uh, Ian, why you haven't insisted, put your foot down, that at least one of these committee hearings be in person. You know, our, our committee has, has, has tried very hard. We, we've really insisted on, on it, and, and we just have gotten no traction for a variety of reasons, you know, most of which we don't really understand, um, but it was not possible or it was but not that's, made possible. That's crap. It is possible. Come on. That's crap. Of course it's possible. You should well, be entitled to one meeting in person. And, and I don't one, understand one this idea of not having hybrid technology. I want you to know something. I'm going to tell you something. You know that I work in town hall in the afternoons, okay? I do. In my courtroom, I already have technology that has hybrid technology. It's in my courtroom. I have a big screen, 
And when I and and because you know that I always I don't know if you know, but I have always had hearings in person, even throughout COVID, as much as I could, I always had everything in person. And as soon as we had the hybrid technology available, because I've always had people be able to call in, and I still do. I when in probate court we always accommodate people who can't be there for a lot of different reasons. But obviously when it comes to certain things, we would rather see their face. And if they really can't be there, I now have a big screen. <laughs> where we have hybrid meetings in Westport Town Hall. So don't tell me it can't be done. Well, I believe you. it can be done. I'm with you. You know, we had a crazy thing happen. Uh, the meeting was – the first meeting or the first uh, hearing was supposed to have taken place this past uh, week. And the meeting ended up having to be postponed because the town's Zoom license um, exceeded uh, – had a capacity uh, a limit set to 100 participants. And there were so many people trying to get into the Zoom that they ultimately it was decided to postpone the meeting. And, and that's why it's happening tomorrow night. Are you, is it tomorrow night or tonight? Tomorrow night. So tomorrow tomorrow night. is Tuesday. Tomorrow is Tuesday. Okay, tomorrow night. Were you there, by the way, for the walkthrough? Anthony, thank you so much for the call. Ian, were thank you there you. for thank the walkthrough? Did you go you. walk the site and see what it's going to look like? Yeah, I mean, I, I've walked the site on the two site visits. The first was uh, for the PNZ commissioners, and, and public was welcome. And then I walked it again last week on Friday. Um, so, yes, I, I've, I've walked the site numerous times, and I happen to have an office down here. So I'm here all the time, and I'm very familiar with the environment. So what do you say to the people who say that you're just trying, trying to thwart development, that you're, you know, you're in the 17th century, you're not being realistic? And what do you say to those who say the reason they voted for this is because as an alternative to 830G pressure, this was a better yeah. alternative? Well, I would say a couple of things. First of all, I would say stand next to 21 Charles Street to get a sense of the scale uh, of, of the buildings that are being proposed here. Um, secondly, I would say not at all. We are every one of us is very much in favor of development. We're just really in favor of sensible redevelopment, uh, something you know that has the size and the scale and, and the flavor that that you know, characterizes uh, Westport. Now, with respect to uh, 830G, yeah, 830G is a real thing. You know, 830G is a you know, state statute that encourages um, communities to really be aggressive about the expansion of their their stock of affordable housing. And so as a consequence, there are projects that can bypass local regulations if the towns uh, where those are being applied for don't have 10 percent uh, of their housing stock be restricted as affordable. I would argue that, yes, it's a problem, but it's also an opportunity to upzone this this area of town in a thoughtful and sensible way that encourages development, but development that's of an appropriate scale and type. You know, mixed-use development with a really strong housing component would be wonderful here in Saugatuck, but I don't think you need to increase the, the capacity by 860% to get there. Do you think that Saugatuck should be looked at together with Hiawatha, which is walking distance from this area, in terms of the overall density and traffic? that people are going to face as they get to 95 in the train station? Well, yeah, I do think, I, I think that, you know, an upzoning of this caliber and magnitude really deserved a study, you know, just mm -hmm. as we did the, the 2018 um, master plan for development. This is a major and impactful study. So, you know, each of the different departments in the community need to be involved intimately in, in thinking through the implications of the zone. Professionals need to be hired 
or at least the professionals who had been hired for the last study brought back to discuss really, you know, an update to to what had been determined then. Because there are many new factors, and I think to make this decision without that level of rigor um, really, you know, puts us where we are today with something that, you know, many people feel is, is, is outsized. So if people who are listening agree with you or if they disagree with you, either way, what would you have them do? If they agree with you, would you have them find out who their RTM representative is and write to them or call them? Would you prefer them also to attend the meeting and speak? Will everybody who gets on Zoom have a chance to speak? Well, I think they're going to do their level best to give every member of the public an opportunity to make comments. So I think that that is built into the plan. How it plays out, I just don't know. Um, and everything you've said, I, I, I think, is, is perfect. You know, everyone should write to the RTM, to the entire RTM, not just their representatives, but to everyone who's, who's sitting on the RTM to let them know what their, their issues and concerns may be. Uh, and likewise, of course, attend, attend the meeting so they can hear, uh, you know, the information that's being shared by all the parties that are participating. Ian, we've got one more caller from Westport. Wendy from Westport, you're on the air with Ian Warburg. We're talking about Saugatuck. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Ian. Excuse me, I have a cold, so if you can't hear me, I'll I'll try and speak up. Um, Actually, I am a member of the RTM in Westport, and so I've been listening with um, much interest to the conversation. Um, the, uh, The meetings... Um, threatened to be um, monsters. Um, I couldn't even get on the uh, on the one the other night, um, despite having called in ten minutes early. So it it can be really frustrating. I'm a little concerned that the people from the public won't get a chance to um, all speak their minds because you know if you've got 300 people who want to speak or 100 people who want to speak for three minutes. Um, I don't know how everybody's going to get a chance, but I guess that's logistics. Um, I just had one, oh wait, and one other answer to do a, um, to do a referendum. Um, you have to uh, get a petition from town hall and I forget exactly how many signatures. I think it's 3000 signatures. Oh, um, Okay. Something. It's a certain percentage of the town population. Interesting. Um, and I bet you would get it. That's interesting. I, I think there's a good chance. I just had one question for Ian because I'm trying to make sense of all this stuff. And in the beginning, um, you said that um, all the all the changes would become as of right. But in my trying to make sense of all the all the language in the um, text amendment it looked to me like like the pnz would still have to approve whatever specific plans were were presented to it in other words um the um i think the text amendment would just um expand the parameters of what pnz could approve, but am I wrong about that? So my understanding is that you know when you have site plan and uh, special permit applications and approvals, the, the town has some limited authority uh, to offer approval. But what is approved, the text amendment, provides an as of right. So the developer has as of right 
the ability to build, you know, uh, structures containing 451,000 square feet of, of, of space. They have the right now to develop the property um, pretty much as, as they would like to, subject to some limited, limited. Uh, input by the PNZ. Yeah. So in other words, they'll be able to do certain height. They'll be able to do certain square footage. But, you know, around the edges, the PNC will be able to to tweak it a bit. Is that what you're saying? I think that's my understanding, yes. Yeah. Okay. So as I read it, that it was the it was it was that they had the right to that PNZ did not have the right to approve it before but now they now they do. I'll have to that's an important issue I'll have to ask. Um, you know, they, the PNC will have the ability to comment on certain aesthetic elements, um, com- comment on certain setbacks. You know, the way that the text amendment is also very complicated. And, and you know, I know. There's, a lot, there's a lot there to understand and, and to, to interpret. Right. Um, you know, for example, 40,000 uh, buildings of 40,000 feet are permitted as of right. But what, what's not included in that calculation are basements, stairways, elevator shafts, storage spaces. Ian, I'm going to hold you right there. I want you to stay on. We've got to take a break. Um, Wendy, also stay on. I have more comments from more listeners. We'll take this up to the end of the hour. We'll be right back. We're talking about zoning of the Saugatuck District in Westport. Stay tuned. If it's happening in Fairfield County, Lisa has something to say about it. The Lisa Wexler Show on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. Remember, you can listen to our podcast after the show if there's a portion of the show that you missed and we highlight it. Wherever you listen to a podcast, it can be iTunes, Spotify, whatever your preferred platform is, we are on it. And we are going to have this half hour of the show with today's featured podcast. We are rejoined by Ian Warburg, Wendy Bateau, who represents, who's in the RTM, is also, I believe, still holding. We've been talking Saugatuck. And Ian, you wanted to finish the point about the fact that the so-called zoning doesn't include basements, attics. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, and, you know, mechanicals. So the the 40,000-foot building um, volume that's now allowed, which is a four, you know, four times what, what was permitted over uh, where the Saugatuck Saugatuck development is uh, the Galt the Galt Center Saugatuck Center that those forty thousand square feet exclude um, mechanical stairways elevators storage basements parking so it's much bigger building it's a much bigger so building there yeah. can, there can't be a, you know a larger building and, Ian and I have one other you... question for you I've got something yeah. else going on is Wendy still on by the way Wendy are you there I I I, okay. I am still on but I, I have another comment from another. Waiting. Okay, I have another comment. This is a comment from a listener. Quote, this is spot zoning. And since when do we allow spot zoning in Westport? Ian, do you have a response to that? You know, I've heard people say that before. We've not consulted with an attorney who would, you know, opine on that. So I don't know. But I have heard others make that comment. Okay, okay. All right, um... So, Ian, anything else you want to tell us in in summary? You've told us that a meeting is happening tomorrow. Is there something that people need to do to sign up to be part of it? Yeah, so if people want to reach out to Saugatuck Sensible Zoning, they can. It's Saugatuck Sensible Zoning at gmail.com. We're delighted to receive your letters of support. We encourage you all to reach out to the entire RTM to express your concerns, to attend the meetings. 
um, and, and prepare to comment if you can uh, to really make your 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 thoughts known and to ask the tough questions that that should be asked so that people really you know go through this process gaining a a, a deep and intimate understanding of, of of what has been done here. I just want to say that from my fondest memories of both observing PNC meetings as well as being on the board. I just want to pay tribute to the late great Sidney Kramer, as well as Connie Greenfield, who is still with us, um, yes. and how they used to have these bulletin boards and charts and easels, and they would come to the front of the auditorium, and they would give us all a lesson in the history and the beauty of Westport. And after they were done, pretty much everybody could just applaud. So I hope, and everyone just looked, was enthralled because they had such important cogent information to share with everyone. And I, and I hope Excuse that the quality of the representations reach that. Go ahead, Wendy, quick. you got 30 seconds. Yep. I just wanted to, to sign off in case somebody wants to ask a question besides no. me. No, so. we, we're, we're um, moving to the top of, of the hour. Wendy, thank you for calling. Ian, thank you so much for joining us. And thank Lisa, you for your pleasure. contributions thank to the community. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the Lisa Wexler Show. Stay tuned to hear Jesse Green, the Broadway critic. I can't wait myself. Connecticut Today with Paul Paselli on from 2 to 6 and Dave Ramsey up next right here on WICC. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.